good night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about the trends and traditions of drinking in France. Now, after a bit of a seasonal break, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're stepping outside of France a little bit, with a little bit of a French connection. Um, I'm sitting here in the beautiful, I'm in the Seychelles right now. Now, the Seychelles, some 250 years ago, were discovered by the French Indian Trading Company. Is that India Trading Company? And, um, and there was some French families that arrived on the islands. And I am with a descendant of one of the first six French families that came and, um, and moved on to the island. And uh, so I'm here with Richard Dauphay. And I'm here because we have been spending a week tasting Richard's fabulous rum, Takamaka which is not just good rum, it's really fun to say. So I've got him here with me, and we're going we're gonna to learn a little bit more about the rum. And, uh, and uh, yeah, hi, Richard. Thanks for joining me today. Of uh, course. So, um, so maybe do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about um, the inspiration for Takamaka and how you and your brother uh, founded it? Sure, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, firstly. Uh, it's great to have you in Seychelles with us. It's fabulous to be here. <laughs> So Ben and I started Takamaka in 2002, in February of 2002, so I think we're a grown-up now, just. And uh, really it was born out of wanting to come back to Seychelles. Uh, so my brother uh, was distilling rum with my father in our garage back home. Uh, I think you maybe need to start a business in a garage. To, yeah, <laughs> to all, be all the best ones started in a garage. Absolutely. Um, so he... Uh, you know, it became very good at distilling. And then we sort of got to the position in 2001 where we made the decision to come back to Seychelles and start Takamaka. So we had the skills uh, required and then we set the business up. And like I said, we started in February of 2002, born out of a desire to come back to Seychelles. And that really was the, the, the catalyst for us moving forward. Yeah, well, I think it's very exciting. And so for the listeners... We are actually, I've been staying for the past week um, at the Takamaka Beach House, which was built by um, Richard's grandparents. And uh, so, yeah, we've been not just enjoying rum, but enjoying the beautiful beach house on the water. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, we went to the distillery, which is really nicely set up um, to do some tastings. And we had lunch there and uh, saw the huge turtles. Um, can you tell the listeners, I really like the story about how you took that space, how you um, put in tender for the space and respected the historical, um, I guess, its historical place in the Seychelles, but also updated it a bit. Can you just talk to us about the, the distillery itself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we started, we were in a small, uh, a small warehouse, basically, in a light industrial area. And both Ben and I lived in the south of the island and had to drive past La Plains and Andre every single day. So driving past it every single day, you know, we just, you know, I just saw this, this beautiful old property just going to rack and ruin, right? It was needed maintenance and there was no maintenance. And over time, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. So, you know, we had sort of snuck in there through the lock gates a few times and walked around the property and it just had the most incredible energy in that property. And I think you felt it yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really like, it's, as I was saying to Rita 
also, I, I just, I love that you've carried the history through, but it's modern and, and you've got really kind of this, the, there's a little museum section and talks about the history of your family here. And yeah, yeah. just, it's just, it's a real special place, I think. It so, is really a yeah. special place. And that, and that was so, you know, it was screaming special whenever we used to sneak in there. So it, it belonged to the Seychelles, it still belongs to the Seychelles government, uh, to the Seychelles Heritage Foundation. And so I started writing letters to the Seychelles Heritage Foundation. So I wrote letters for years, basically saying, look, please allow us to, to take over this property. Let's go into a public-private partnership. Um, let's renovate it. Let's move the distillery there. So I didn't hear back from them for like literally years, like five years, I think, or six years. But every opportunity I'd get, mm. I'd write another letter. I'd speak to someone I thought may have a bit of influence. And eventually in 2007, 2008, I got a call from the Heritage Foundation to say, listen, we're tired of you writing letters now. We are going to tender the property out and please just put put it in. By then, you know, when, I, when you've written like 10 letters, sure. you know, basically saying the same thing over and over, you know, we knew exactly what we wanted to do with the property and we were fortunate enough to... So then we win that tender in 2008, and then we relocated the distillery to La Plaine Saint-André. And, and as you say, you know, it's, uh, we've kept the old uh, as it should be, and, you know, really, we, we, you know, take care of it with a lot of um, tender love and care. And then operationally, of course, we had to build... Um, you know, our offices and bonded sure. storage. Sure, bringing in your stills. And, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So we did that, and but always, you know, the front and center was to make sure that we didn't change the fundamental nature of the property, nor yeah. the feeling, you know, that's something we really wanted to keep. And so down to moving buildings and, um, you know, rebuilding buildings, for instance, like the Grand Cas had caved in on itself. Yeah. Like the roof had literally caved in on itself. So we made sure that we... You know, we built it exactly as it originally was. So that was that was cool. We even, as I said, we moved buildings because of certain trees that we didn't want to cut down and yeah. kept the old BNB Avenue. And it's now it's been a wonderful place. Yeah. Well, I like how you can also still see the old um, kitchen, uh, kind of in the yeah, back by the. Right, um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 a ru- it's basically ruins, but yeah. you can still see the foundation, and exactly. that's very cool. What I also really like about um, <clears throat> the idea of Takamakaram is most things are imported to this island. There's not a lot mm. of things, is, from what I understand, that are actually made on the island. Mm. And, and it's the only rum that's made on the island. And so I know there's some palm wine, I think, made here. But otherwise, there's not any other spirits really distilled commercially here. So it's the first Seychelles rum. The only Seychelles rum, I guess, would be also oh, accurate. Um, oh, there's a few others. Oh, is there? Okay. Uh, Just brands, mostly Seychelles brands. Okay. um, But they're not distilling. Okay. So, um, so I kind of feel like it's this nice celebration of the Seychelles, you know, as we've gone around the island, it's in all the bars and it's proudly displayed in the shop windows and which is nice that it's such a pretty bottle too. It's very eye catching. It helps. Uh, Yeah. Um, but I also think it's a nice celebration of, flavors here because now for the listeners um what's also very interesting about takamaka is they do both molasses and cane rum so they've got quite a nice range of molasses rum which i think was quite popular recently at whiskey live when you were up there i think i heard a lot of people were 
really um, kind of very fascinated and, and, and appreciating that. But then also The Cane, which is a much, much smaller production. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about both sides of that and maybe why you decided to go with both as opposed to concentrating on one or the other? Yeah, sure. Um, so when we first started, you know, it was, it was all about uh, fermentation of basically whatever material we could get our hands on, right? So it was sometimes it was molasses and sometimes it was cane and sometimes we'd use jaggery. You know, so it was really whatever we could get our hands on. But as the years went by, uh, we started to focus and, and a lot more on the molasses style. But then, of course, the cane rum side, which is really quite what's truly uh, representative and reflective of, of Seychelles, um, you know, from a terroir point of view, is really the only, um, you know, it's the only option we have to really to really showcase what Seychelles rum is all about. Because molasses, we can do the same thing, right? Of course, it's, we use Seychelles water, we age our rums at La Plaine Saint-André, so... But really, the raw material doesn't come from, from Seychelles, whereas on the cane side, of course, it does. So, and then also cane rum, you know, allows us to distill, I suppose, in an old-fashioned way. We use, you know, completely, um, you know, natural fermentations. Uh, there is some inoculation, of course, yeast inoculation. Mm -hmm. um, we crush by hand still today. Uh, our pot stills, we have two pot stills, which really allows us to, to distill uh, simply, if I can mm -hmm. put it that way. And then we're able then to, to age and, and really, you know, develop those flavors in the rum that both Ben and I and, and Matthew, our head distiller, love. So it's been very interesting over the years to see the evolution of that product as we get to know it. What I find really interesting is um, how you're overcoming the challenges of not having a lot of space to grow cane and working with different farmers. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about how you do that? Sure. So Seychelles doesn't have a commercial sugar industry. We never have. Um, you know, my island is, is, is quite, it's very mountainous. Uh, we have very sort of the flatland, obviously, we have on the plains, as you've seen yourself. But really, from a farming point of view, um, food security is quite important for, for us as a, as a country. So, so a lot of that flatland, where in other places, you know, with an abundance of flatland, you've got your food farming, you've got your cane farming, whatever the case may be around the Indian Ocean. But in our case, um, you know, our cane is grown up, grown by a lot of independent growers and in hills on privately owned land. Um, so you don't like driving around Mahe if you're a tourist, for instance, sticking to the sort of core coastal roads. You're not mm -hmm. really gonna see a lot of cane around. But we crush about um, probably close on 100 tons uh, of cane, um, you know, during that, that window of about eight months. Theoretically, we can crush all year round because uh, there's, there's no seasons for cane yeah. Seychelles per se, right? So, um, so we have our own cane, we have uh, some growers that are bigger than others, and then we have some growers that literally have a uh, thousand square meters in their, in their back garden and, and they deliver to us uh, once a year, uh, maybe a ton or 800 kilos, and, and we get all the cane that we can possibly get our hands on. And, and, and we go ahead and crush it. So it's, it's, it's very important for us that we maintain that really good relationship with these small independent growers. And I think to some extent it provides a, a nice little supplementary income for, 
for, for these families that grow cane for Takamaka Run. Uh, we'd love to grow that now, of course, and, and, and make it more, uh, make, make cane growing more accessible to more families, because really it's quite a nice crop. Um, you know, you can grow it on hills, you can, mm. uh, it doesn't take a lot of maintenance, so it's really nice for, for, for families who have a little bit of extra space to be able to, to grow for us. I also like the way that it, it just it keeps you entrenched within the community. This isn't just a standalone project. You're doing in a corner. You're interacting with you know other uh, people yeah, around the island. Absolutely. So, but we have no choice. You know, it's 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 something that obviously we want to do and we want to develop. But really, it's born out of um, you know necessity from both our side and and obviously the side of the grower too. So mm-hmm. it's great that we have this beautiful symbiotic relationship that we can that that and there's you know. In inverted commas, there's you know there's meat on the bone for everybody. Yeah. So that's that's really nice, and it's nice as you say to to have that connection in the community, and we certainly want to try and encourage that and develop it as as the years go by. Yeah, I, I think that's important too. I think that um, uh, not and not just important because you're creating this social, cultural, financial cohesion, um, but also because as you mentioned earlier. I do think cane rum now, um, just for any listeners who might not know, um, rum can be still from molasses, and that is probably the majority of what you drink, um, but also from sugar cane. So that when I when we're saying molasses versus cane, just a bit of background in case somebody doesn't know. Um, but I think that cane, it's so much more expressive. It is so much more about the terroir. Uh, you know, I've been fascinated with cane rum, especially living in France, because there's such a culture on um, on on the islands of rum agricole, which the, is which the is kings of the, the kings and queens of, of cane rum right? yeah. come from Martinique and, and the other yeah. other French islands. Exactly. So and I think that I've always associated that so much with France because um, because France has such a a concept of terroir. So for me, it's also very exciting to see. And I know that it's been, you know, I've had um, a rum, a cane rum from Hawaii. I've had it in other places, but not so much. So it's really, for me, it's really exciting to see see that spreading and um, see this expression of terroir elsewhere. So let's talk a little bit about um, how do you feel um, that the cane here expresses itself? Could you think you can generalize and say this is sort of a Seychelles style or is it just dynamic and it changes all the time? Let's... Tell the listeners a little bit about because many of them will never get to taste this. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's let's pretty, talk them through it's it. Pretty it's pretty rare liquid. Yeah, it's, it's rare. Pretty rare liquid um, and pretty pricey, unfortunately, but it is. Um, look, I think firstly, I think it starts in our soil. Um, we have Seychelles is granitic. It's granitic islands, island group. Whereas other, you know, if we just look at Indian Ocean, uh, you've got Mauritius, which is volcanic, La Réunion, which is volcanic. Uh, then you have obviously the east coast of Africa, which is all continental, uh, different soil makeups down there. So we really have a very unique soil makeup here, being a granitic island. But we also have coralline islands, and then we have one volcanic island, oh, okay. all right, which is on which is silhouette. So we have the ability really to, you know, if we grow cane on a coralline island versus Mahe or La Digue or which is a granitic island versus Silhouette, say, uh, you know, we'll see some differences there. And then even on Mahe, where it's, you know, 
no question the cane that we grow at La Plaine Saint Andre, which is very coastal, mm-hmm. very sandy soil. You know, it's a stone, literally a stone's throw from the from the beach. Yeah, it's like a little sixty yard sandwich. Um, versus the cane that we grow at uh, you know Agile Albert's property, which is a little higher up the mountain. Um, the soils are a little bit richer. It, they are so different. The cane theoretically is the same, but the rum that we are getting from the Clos de Saint André at La Plaine mm-hmm. versus the, the 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 rum we distill from traditional, more um, readily available cane uh, further up the hill is you know, it's it's obviously different. And I think you tasted it. Right? Oh, we you, did. You did. Oh you, yes, yeah. I mean, for Tibo, it opened up a whole new world of rum to him and uh, I mean I, I was familiar with the style personally but I was loving it it's really I mean I get excited about cane rum, rum anyway but um, and then you know our weather conditions which play a part as you know in, yeah. in the expression of terroir um, the you know whether that cane has grown a lot through the rainy season or whether through the dry season um, will play a role mm-hmm. so you know, we don't use any pesticides because we don't need to, you know, so yeah. no pesticides, no herbicides, um, no fertilizers. We just, we just don't need to. So the cane that we get is, 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 is really natural. Yeah. It's not, there's no GMO cane, there's no hybrid strains. So it's really the cane that was brought here hundreds of years ago from, from the original settlers. It's quite unique. Yeah. Um, Yes. Well, I can attest to that just in in terms of taste. Yeah. And hopefully more people will start growing more cane because I'd I'd love to see the, selfishly, see the uh, seed increase in output. So it would be more more available. (laughs) I'm sure. sure. (laughs) Ah. So for listeners who uh, would like to try some of your rum, the molasses rum, it's distributed in France by La Maison du Whisky, correct? La Maison du Whisky, that's right. Yes. And for my listeners in the U.S., are they just out of luck, or where might they be able to find and taste some? Oh, you know, in the U.S., we're not, unfortunately, we're not in the U.S. yet. I think we have to manage the markets that we do have, because our production is quite limited. So we'll see if we go in the U.S. in the future. But I think um, like Whiskey Exchange. You I, I, yeah, you know, for people yeah. who are into spirits, there is always a place to find your spirits. There's yeah. Whiskey Exchange. has always You can always find something there. And then there's one in New York. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I will put it in the show notes that I'm sure you'll be able to, um, to source a bottle somehow, somewhere. We're very, yeah... Um, Industrious as drinkers, we figure out where to get it. <laughs> we do, don't we? Yeah. Well, the Maison is doing a great job, and uh, you know, I think Takamak is available in a lot of cabbies now. And, yeah. And of course, a lot of great bars um, in Paris, especially, but like, hopefully, mushrooming out. And do you have what's your sense on how it's being? I mean, France is a growing market for it, it's being distributed there, but you, you were just there. Um, how are the French reacting to the Takamaka rum? Well, you would, as you said, we were just at Whiskey Live, yeah. uh, which is a great event, and loving. I just uh, the the response was unbelievable. Uh, this is the second year we were there, mm-hmm. and compared to last year, I think we're a little bit better known now than we were last year. This time last year, so our our stand was 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 full for three days solid. Yeah, yeah I was Excellent. pretty tired by the end of that event. 
Yeah, I would imagine so. Those events are tiring. It's just attending those events is tiring. It was so much fun as well. And it's so nice to interact with consumers and, of course, owners of bars and cabistes and etc. So it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to really get face to face with people that enjoy our product. There's, you know, there's something special about making something that people then can connect to in their own way. And it's, yeah, I, th- I think it always reminds me of that was, you know, Ben and I still get a huge kick out of that. As if, you know, when it, I remember when we first started, we used to bring, you know, the first iterations of Takamaka Rum to parties and basically give it to people for free because no one wanted to buy it back then. And, you know, some people would go, this is the best rum, it's amazing. And then sometimes Ben, who was the distiller, would, you know, maybe there'd be a little bit too much fusel oil going into the final product. And it would be like, oh, this one is not so great. Uh, but it's that same sense of excitement whenever you speak to somebody new, you know. Yeah. It's, it can be scary sometimes too. But it's, I mean, well, it sounds like you, um, you and your brother took a big leap of faith, you know, coming back here, starting this project. But... You know, obviously I wasn't here from to, to watch the growth, but it sounds like it's really taken off. And the impression I get is that it's also very celebrated um, here in the Seychelles, that it's that people are, you know, assume it as part of the Seychelles identity. Well, um, that's taken I, quite a few years to yeah, get Yeah, well, I would guess that this uh, was not the way that, it was in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, in so. fact, in the, in the beginning, you know, historically in Seychelles, I suppose because we import everything, right, there mm-hmm. was this general sense that... Um, that anything that was imported was always going to be better than mm-hmm. something that was created locally or produced locally. I can imagine that would have been a really hard mindset to get over. I mean, so it I was can, really yeah. like knocking on the door until, um, you know, until people, you know, when they drank another imported rum brand uh, or drank Takamaka would then start to go, hang on, like, I'm really loving what Takamaka is giving me. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not, you know, I get something different from Takamaka than I do from, let's say, an imported white rum or spiced or whatever. Maybe. Yeah. So, so it took a long time, but now we are, and you know, opening the distillery to the public was a huge step in the right direction for us. And obviously we couldn't do that before we moved into La Plaine San Andre. Yeah. But once we did move into La Plaine and visitors, lo- local visitors and visitors from abroad would come and, really see what we do because it's a fully operational facility, yeah. as you know. Um, you know, warts and all, if you want to you know, put it like that. So, you know, we literally have trucks coming in and stock going out and we're racking in barrels, you know, racking in, racking out. We're trying to, the molasses column is working, we're transferring into tanks. It's, it's, it's really happening it's, yeah. it's nice and then it gives people a, you know especially local people who come and visit who've maybe never been to a distillery before see how it's working and then gives you know possibly a sense of confidence and yeah. you know a sense of closeness to, to the rum that that if they wouldn't have it they hadn't seen it first hand well it also is a fun place to be I understand on Fridays it's quite busy <laughs> the bar people are coming music dancing right so what did we do <laughs> yeah Friday's good good fun yeah good um, do you want to just kind of give a run through for our listeners about the different expressions of the molasses rum because you've got from white to the extra noir um, so just to give them an idea of all you know this isn't just one basic bottle this is various different offerings that uh, come from Takamaka so tell them about it a little bit sure so it all starts with with obviously our basic white rum 
uh, and then we have our our rumbler, which is a blend of column and pot still uh, mm -hmm. runs, which is beautiful. I love that run. And then as an extension of that, we have that in an overproof, mm -hmm. uh, 69%, which is great. Then we also use that same rum for, for our cocoa rum, which is a beautiful, it's light, it's 25%, yeah. uh, very, very easy to drink. Uh, we, and then we have the same in Zanana, which is pineapple, uh, pineapple rum. And uh, then, of course, we move into our uh, dark spiced, which is a staple. It was the first product we ever put out outside of our core white rum. And dark spiced is, has been going strong in Seychelles for more than 20 years now. So it's a great product. Yeah. It's a really, really good product. And it's a perfect product you know, to mix and you can make all sorts of things yes. with it. And a bit of that was consumed added. here this week yeah. with some ginger ale, ginger beer, ginger ale, yeah, ginger yeah, ale, yeah, exactly. yeah So you, you, you know, every, I think every single Szechuan has a, some story about a night or day on Takamak and Dark Spice, <laughs> <laughs> including uh, that's myself. Great. That's great. So that, that's, that's great, you know. Um, and then, of course, we move into the Saint Andre series, which is really where we start to to play a little bit from an innovation point of view. So our Zepis Creole and our Extra Noir are two rums that are really quite you know we're very proud of from an innovation perspective because we've used the pressed rums, mm -hmm. which is quite a unique process. Um, you know, after the distillation, right. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that process? Absolutely. So we basically put the rum after distillation and after we've we've rested the, the rums for a little bit. Um, we put the rum under pressure and then uh, and then put it through a cavitation system. So where we uh, introduce a lot of air into uh, into the rum and that really softens it up quite nicely. And then after that, we will, um, and it's also a great way to introduce flavor. So mm -hmm. as an example, with Zeppi's Creole, it's a blend of uh, spices. That is, it's, it's, a, it's a botanical rum, right? Mm -hmm. So we have, we have clove, we have quatre pieces, mm -hmm. uh, which is okay. local, all local, yeah. all local spices, quatre pieces, uh, cinnamon, nutmeg and cinnamon, yeah. the four that we, that we put together in like a big, a big bag. And, and then we allow that to, to, to soak and then once you put that through cavitation those flavors really 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 come together very yeah. nicely and then once that blend is done um you know we have a we have a rum that then is it is unaged but has has elements and a softness softness to it which the cavitation brings mm -hmm. which really on the palate is quite special and then we'll then take that and age that, not age it, finish it, yeah. uh, rest it in, in, in old casks for about 12 weeks or so. Um, what I really noticed actually tasting that one, and then when we did the tasting of the cane, I think it was mm -hmm. the second one. So there's the white, and then the second one, which is aged. Uh, am I correct? But there's, there's three different cane ones, and the kind of one that's in the middle in terms of so you, we, uh, Tila Caz, Grand Caz, and Le Clos. Yeah, Grand Caz. Yeah. So when I was tasting that, um, I asked Stephen, which is the master blender at the distillery. Legend. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, if they had done anything to that one, similar to what they did to the uh, Zepis, because I got all these sort of 
um, cinnamon and clovey flavors. No, no, so and he said, but, but you don't. So to me, that really reflects the fact that going through this process, um, the press process, really does soften it and almost give it this um, impression of, of, of having been aged like that. It so, does, yeah. yeah so. And then, you know, so, so within the Saint-André series, we've got these four runs, um, Extra Noirs of Piscoel, Tilacaz, and Grand Caz. Mm-hmm. Tilacaz is the small house where you did your tasting. Yeah. And then Grand Caz is the main house, which uh, we use for tastings as well. And it's, it's our museum yeah. story of the brand yeah. over the years. So we, you know, these two runs are very, very, very traditional. So aged for years in in different casks. Uh, obviously, French large, pretty large casks. We've got some five hundreds that we that we work with, uh, which give us, you know, in in a Seychelles context with tropical aging and that's very humid and hot in Seychelles. So we've got to be very careful yeah. with the wood. And I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it's got to it's got to play a big part in it. Just it, the, the it climate does. here. So. It does. So we have the innovation. The more the so the innovation, the tradition, if I can put it that way, then we really have the clo, which is really single cask expressions that we only release when when we can. Um, is there anything else that you think the listeners should know about Takamaka? Uh, good question. Can't really think of anything. I have a question. I know. I know that it's <laughs> it's named after. Like I said, it's super fun to say, but it's also named after Takamaka Bay. Uh, I'm stuck uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, any reason for that, or just? You liked the sound of the, the name? It was just because it's a local... You know, way back when in 2000, 2001, when um, Ben and I and my father were uh, were playing around with, with names, uh, you know, we went through all sorts of different names before you come up with that name. And um, I mean, we just <laughs> went through There was some shockers. Anyway, so, you know, when we, when we settled on Takamaka, it was, you know, it's all of those things that you said. It's a place. It's a beautiful tree. Uh, which yeah, is that's right. Just here, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful tree which you get on all Seychelles beaches. Um, it's uh, a little beetle. It's a seed that comes from the tree. It, you know, it's just so many things. Uh, so Takamaka, everybody can say it. It rolls off the tongue beautifully, and it's such a Seychellois thing and place. So the name at that point almost chose itself. So since that day, we've been hanging on. With our fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, to, we're getting yeah. to the end of our half hour, and everybody's favorite part is the cocktail of the episode. The so, the cocktail. Have you something in mind that you want to share with our, our listeners? Ooh. Maybe something that we made yesterday, maybe something that you like to make. <laughs> um, we did, for the listeners, we did have quite a, a, a day of tasting various, tasting Takamaka in various ways as we... Um, had a Creole lunch and swam in the beach. So, yeah, it was, it was so yeah, it was a really day. lovely day. way to enjoy more Takamaka and just have a good time. So, so what did I make? I made some daiquiris yesterday, which was really nice. A little yeah. bit of rum zen, uh, which is our uh, young zen means young. So it's a it's a it's a like a basically like a one year old that we you know make it make as a daiquiri. I think I, I made a simple sugar syrup in the yeah. kitchen. Squeeze some some local limes, which. Uh, and then shook that up as a as a beautiful daiquiri, which I think we had together. That's yeah. all time one of my favorites. Daiquiri is a great yeah. way to taste. It's right. just a great cocktail. It's a great way to taste rum. Yeah. For the listeners, I will put a recipe for that in the show notes. But I know that you have a similar recipe to mine, which is two parts rum, 
one part lime juice, half part simple, Yeah, give or take. I mean, the nice thing about a daiquiri is you can also kind of play around with the proportions depending on if you skew more sweet or sour in your flavors. And also sometimes the lime's a little bit lime. Oh yeah, we talked about this. These were really, they were real citrusy limes, the ones that we had yesterday. And, uh, you know, another thing about that is we were talking about when you juice your limes, we're juicing them in that elbow elbow press, which is, you know, the one that's kind of a two-part hand press. And so that really also extracts a lot of the oils from the yeah. peel, as opposed to just kind of one of those presses that some people have in the house where they're making their orange juice. Or, yeah, you're getting you know, none of those. And you're getting none of those oils, so that will also make a difference. So um, so I love a daiquiri. That's a great cocktail of the episode. I encourage my listeners to try it, but to play around with their... Um, and we have the Saleep as well. Uh, yes, and so... The yes, free Seychelles. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> we also... We Yeah, played around a little bit with it, with a take on the Cuba Libra. So, you know, this is for... I can't imagine I have a listener out there that doesn't know this, but basically rum and coke with a little lime, but... Yeah, we were doing our own with Takamaka and, and playing so around took, with... I uh, yeah. basically one and a half parts of dark, extra dark, mm-hmm. extra noir. And I put a half a part of Zeppi's Creole just to give it that little bit of, you know, little spicy edge yeah. to it. And uh, definitely got those limes in there. Yeah. And we had good Cokes, small Cokes out of the yeah. glass bottle, which is always really nice. Yeah, they're nice and fresh and, and still nice fizzy. And fresh, and yeah. Exactly. And uh, basically it's almost 50-50, right? It's yeah. 50 50 rum, 50 coke for me. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you know, a lot of people, it's a shot. More. But I think 50-50 is good, especially when we're out here in this hot weather and you've yeah. got a few ice cubes in there and they're melting. Yeah. And I'm also going to just throw out, I mean, guys. It's you a get, shortish drink, it's, right? Yeah, I mean, sure if you drink yeah. it long, then, you know, you can certainly sure. go. Uh, or even you can sometimes even half coke, half soda. Yeah. You don't like it so Ooh, sweet. Yeah, like that's a check. really nice uh, a nice mix as well. There you go. That's a, also a good idea. I mean, usually you guys just get one recipe, so we're, we're throwing a few at you, including oh, your brother. Yeah, I like his, you know, yeah, I had a drink with him at this right? distillery, and I said, oh, it looks like you got a little highball. I said, yeah, I just call it the usual. <laughs> so I said, that's great, and I was making a few of those for Extra myself. Extra noir and yeah. soda. Extra noir and soda. With a dash of lime as it, well. Well, I didn't put Where's lime in there. He... Um, Suggest to drop in a few bitters, which is what I did. Do, right, put in a few yeah. Creole bitters and, um, yeah, and the extra noir and lots of ice, tall glass, top it off with soda, and it's super refreshing. But, mm. I mean, my listeners, you guys know I like a highball anyway, so that's not a hard sell for me. So, anyway, we are definitely at the end of our half hour, a little bit more than that now, and that's okay. because that that's just so I know it goes so fast, it. doesn't it? So if listeners want to learn more about Takamaka, you've got a website. It's takamaka.com, right? Takamakarum.com. Takamakarum.com. I'll put this in the show notes, as you all know. And, um, and there's a Takamaka Rum Instagram account. Is there any other place people should go to, to learn more about the, this Seychelles Rum? Yeah, I think uh, the website and Instagram will, will certainly give you a lot of information. Great. And I'll have um, a lot of... I've got a lot of stories going on about it, and I know those are very ephemeral, but... Um, you know, if you look on my Instagram, I'll have some, um, a highlight for the Seychelles. And so you get to see, you know, you get to see replays on those stories. So I guess that's it for now. I just want to say thank you so much for for the hospitality, taking the time to talk to me today, the rum. 
And, um, and that's about a wrap for this month, as usual. Um, thank you to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Um, thank you to Richard for joining us on this episode today. Thank you for listening, downloading, tuning in, wherever you get your podcast or listen to your radio. And as usual, I remind you to drink responsibly. And until next time, cheers. Oh, darling, oh, darling, oh, darling, oh, darling, oh, darling,